happening in grace. And uh, I'm just excited with you. And thank you, Brother Murphy, for the opportunity to uh, share in what God is doing through your ministry. Uh, I want you to take your Bible, if you will, and let's turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 17. Matthew, chapter 17, let's begin reading with verse 1. When you get that passage, would you say, praise the Lord. The Bible said, after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make here three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Now I want you to especially notice the next several verses. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid. Would you say they fell on their face and were sore afraid? And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. And as they came down from the mountain, Jesus charged them, saying, Tell the vision to no man until the Son of Man be risen again from the dead. Would you say praise the Lord for the word? I want to draw from this particular passage of Scripture several very significant things, share them with you today and I have uh, sought diligently and thought diligently for a title to my remarks I just want to simply call it the blindness of vision would you repeat that with me the blindness of vision now when I say that it sounds like an oxymoron but it really is not uh, there's something very, very definitely significant in this passage, and I hope the Holy Ghost will impress it upon our hearts. Just reach over and lay your hand on the one near you, and let's pray and ask for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. God, in your precious name, we love you today. We thank you for your presence. I pray that you would move us into a higher level. Help us, dear God, to be full of the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Speak to our hearts. Let us receive it with joy. We ask it in your name. Everybody say praise the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. I have read this particular passage of scripture throughout the years many, many times. 
And most often, when I read this passage, my focus has been on the first several verses about the uh, unusual and powerful experience of these men who went to the mountain with Jesus. And I want to pause in the beginning of my message to you today and tell you, if you've never been to higher ground with the Lord, you're missing out on something. Too many people become satisfied to live in the lowlands. It's when you move to a higher place that, that uh, God especially does something for you. I remember a number of years ago, R.E. Johnson was preaching for us right here in Baton Rouge, and uh, there was a terrible rain that came, and uh, one afternoon after we had uh, had lunch, we got in the car with Brother and Sister Johnson and drove around, and uh, we wanted to see some of the flooded areas. I don't remember what particular part of the area it was, but uh, I remember distinctly coming to some uh, parts of the this metro area, and there were houses that had water almost up to the eaves. And uh, there were people standing out on the higher ground looking down on that water that was in their house. And we got out of the car and spoke with some of those folks, Brother Murphy, and uh, some of those men were weeping. The ladies were frustrated because their whole life uh, was going down in the flood. And I remember distinctly Brother Johnson calling my attention to the fact that as we were standing in that very place looking at houses that were submerged in water, higher ground, there were houses that were completely untouched. Brother Johnson turned around, and he was a unique man, and he could, he could get a message from about anything. I remember one time he got a message from a ceiling tile falling out of the uh, ceiling of the sanctuary. Preached a whole sermon on it. He turned and took me by the shoulder and he said, Brother Young, don't ever build in the lowland. Because when you build in the lowland, you're apt to be flooded. Hey, I want to tell you something. I want to go to higher ground with the Lord. Praise the Lord. You'll see things that you never dreamed that you will see. You'll have experiences that you'll never forget. You'll have life-changing experiences when you go to the top of the mountain with Jesus. Now, many times when I've read this passage, I have, I have been drawn to that, but uh, the last several weeks I've been especially drawn to the latter part of this particular passage. And basically, the focus of the latter part of this passage has to do with the vision. Everybody say the vision. And uh, before I get into the heart of my message, just let me point out that uh, the disciples, while they were at this elevated place with the Lord, in verse 6, the Bible said they had heard a voice, and when they heard the voice, they fell on their faces and they were sore afraid. Just let me say to you in passing, the greatest deterrent that will ever come into your life to your vision 
is fear. Everybody say fear. Fear will decimate you. Fear will cloud your vision. Fear is not from the Lord. And the Bible says the whole duty of man is to fear God and to keep his commandments. I'm not in contradiction to that statement. Because when the Bible speaks of fearing God, it doesn't mean that we are to be afraid of God. Uh, he is approachable. He is lovely. He is kind. And uh, I, I, I'm so glad for everything God has done in my life. When the Bible teaches us to fear God, it is teaching us to have awe in our heart for God. And to have respect in our heart for God. We are to respect God. We are to hold him in awe. Praise the Lord. When we walk into his presence and when we encounter the glory of God, we are to be affected by that. Can you say praise the Lord? But we are not to be afraid of God. And the Lord knew that the disciples would never have the vision they really needed to have so long as they were gripped with fear. And so in verse 7, Jesus touched them and said, uh, in verse 7, he said, Arise and be not afraid. Fear is not from the Lord. Fear is in our humanity. And uh, fear can somehow grip us and cloud our vision so we cannot see our way. So Jesus touched them and said, Arise, be not afraid. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no man save Jesus only. Now, here's the focus of my message, and uh, I want to build my thoughts around this particular principle. There are two things that define vision. Everybody say two things. Are you with me today? There are two things that uh, form our vision. First of all, our vision is formed by what we do not see. Everybody say, what we do not see. That's the first thing that defines our vision. And then it is, finally, it is defined by what we see. So what we do not see, oftentimes, is just as important for our vision as what we do see. Uh, when Jesus touched them and said, Arise, be not afraid, the Bible said, they saw no man save Jesus only. Everything else faded. Everything else disappeared. I longed for that moment in my experience when all of the calamity that is around and the confusion and the despair and the heartache and all of that that somehow crowds in and captures our, our sight and our vision and blocks our view of God. I long for that day that all of that disappears. So when that disappears, you can see the Lord like he really is. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Too many times we focused on our issues and our problems and our dilemma. But when that fades away, then the Lord comes into clear focus and we can see him. Praise the Lord. I want to preach about the blindness of vision. I cannot have the vision that God wants me to have until I become blinded 
to the things I should not be focused on. Praise the Lord. And I believe that you are here to do a work for God. I believe that you are here to spread the gospel. I believe that you are here to, to uh, do something from, for God that will shake this community. So in order to do that, we're going to have to have the Lord's vision. Everybody say the Lord's vision. To have the Lord's vision, here is the first thing. I must get to the place where I cannot see impossibilities. First, let me tell you that in every circumstance and for everyone who tries to do something for God, impossibilities loom everywhere. And from where I stand in my Christian journey, looking backward on that journey that I have come on, I can, I can cite many who fell by the wayside, who became discouraged and overwhelmed, not because they were bad people, not because they intentionally wanted to go awry, but because they became overwhelmed with the struggle of life and the impossibilities that were presented to them. And it is the purpose of the enemy of your soul for you to see nothing but the challenge, nothing but the impossibilities, nothing but the heartache. But when, when I get to the place that I am blind to impossibilities, it's at that moment that I see in full-orbed glory the opportunity that God has for me. I cannot see the opportunity until, first of all, I cannot see the, the impossibilities. There are too many people that spend their time talking about the impossibilities. I didn't come here today to tell you and to preach about the impossibilities. I'm not here to curse the darkness. I'm here to tell you there's a glorious wave of opportunity that has come to the people of God. And it's time for us to seize that opportunity. And step forward by faith. Praise the Lord. I feel the Holy Ghost here today. Praise God. Everybody say the blindness of vision. It's kind of like this. I don't know if they still have it or not, but the Sunday paper of the Advocate used to have a little, a little deal that I looked forward to every Sunday morning. Turn to that particular section of the paper and there would be a, a picture that was nothing but a maze. And uh, you look at that maze and it just looks like scratching on the paper. But the idea was to focus and get to the point where you could see that picture and not see the maze. But you see another picture. And I learned how to do it. I had to draw that sheet of paper close to my sight close to my eyes, and then very slowly, while I was intently focused and looking, I would take that page just a little farther and a little farther and a little farther from me until all of a sudden, right there in the middle of all of that scratching and all of that uh, uh, useless uh, marks, a picture loomed. It was a beautiful picture, 
but I couldn't see the picture until I become blinded to the obstruction. I want to tell you the impossibilities are in everybody's life, in everybody's circumstance, and we've got to get blind to the impossibilities before we can see our opportunities. Would you lift your hands and ask God to let you see the opportunity that is before you? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The blindness of vision. The blindness of vision. I remember the first time I drove into the city of Oakland, California. Oakland, California is the most culturally diverse city in North America. Uh, Eighty-three cultures have made the city of Oakland their home. Oakland is the second largest city in the Bay Area. It's just across the bay from San Francisco. There's between 450 and 500,000 people just in our city. And cities around us have, have enlarged the population. The metro population of the East Bay is 2.3 quarters million people. But right there in Oakland, 83 cultures live in our city. And the reason it's said to be the most culturally diverse city in North America is because the cultures do not mix. The cultures are all separated. And uh, one group lives in this part of the city. Another lives in this part of the city. Not only is Oakland the most culturally diverse, it's said to be the most violent city in North America. And the reason is because the cultures, when they come out of their habitat and they come to the streets, they clash. And there's war. There's gun violence. It's dangerous. And I remember the first time I drove the streets of Oakland, California. I saw the, the poverty. I saw the despair. I saw the fragmented lives. I saw the decimated personalities laying on the streets. And I, I thought, this is a horror story. And fear gripped my heart. I was afraid to stop at a red light. I was afraid to pause at an intersection because it was a strange, wild world of confusion. But after a period of time and having the Lord lay his hand upon me, I, I lost that fear. And with that fear left, I saw Oakland, California in a different light. Praise the Lord. I no longer saw the horror. I no longer saw the fearfulness. I no longer saw the impossibilities. But it looked like the most wonderful opportunity, the greatest mission, the opportunity to reach a soul for the Lord. Oh, God, let us catch our vision. God, let us catch our vision. If there's anybody under the sound of my voice whose heart is gripped with fear, I'm praying that the Holy Ghost will smite that fear so the fear will leave your heart and you'll be able to see the opportunity that God has put before you. Everybody say the blindness of vision. The blindness of vision. Sometimes have someone walk in the church sit down in the middle of a gospel service. We look at that life, and in our humanity, we see them as they are. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? 
we see them as they are. We see them with their shortcomings. We see them by their, with their inequities. And in our humanity, it is so tempting sometimes to feel like that is a useless cause. I've been guilty of feeling that way. And because I saw them as they really were. That's not the way God wants us to see people. Oh, no. That's not the way God wants us to see them. The one you thought could never make it might be the one that God has designed to carry this thing to the next level. We need to get to the place where we don't see people as they are, but we see them for what God can make them. The blindness of vision. The blindness of vision. We look at them sometimes, and when we look at them, we look at them through the lens of our experience and our relationships and our turmoil. We look at them, and we see trouble. We see, we see uh, lament. We see heartache. We see all of those things. And as long as we are seeing them from that perspective, we'll never be able to mold them and help them become what God wants them to be. We've got to see them for what God can make them. Praise the Lord. And I want to tell you, there is no worthless person in the eyes of God. Everybody is a prized possession. Praise the Lord. I heard a story year ago, years ago of uh, a famous, world-renowned woodcarver who determined that I am going to produce a carving that, uh, will, that will be known and that will be priceless. I've got to have the right kind of wood. I've got to have the right kind of uh, grain. So he found out in his study that the tree that he was looking for would be found in remote jungles in the country of Africa. And uh, so he made his trip to Africa. He hired a guide. He went to the forest. He was looking for the tree. The guide thought that just any tree would work. But this man was looking and looking. The first day, he didn't say anything. He just looked. He looked all around. And the guide said, what are you doing? There are trees everywhere. He said, what am I looking for? He said, somewhere there is a man in a tree. I'm looking for that man in the tree. The guide said, what are you talking about, fella? There are no men in these trees. People don't live in trees around here. He said, no, no, you don't understand. He said, I have a vision. He said, there's a man somewhere in a tree. He said, I'll, I'll recognize the man in the tree when I see him. And finally, after long, tenuous labor, uh, the man became ecstatically happy. And he said, here it is, here it is. I want you to cut it down. He said, the God said, what, what do you mean cut it down? You were looking for a man in the tree. There's no man in that tree. He said, you cut the tree down and then go with me. And he said, when I carve away the excess, he said, the man is there. You can't see him, but I can see him. 
But in order to find the man that's in that tree, I've got to cut away that which hides him. And so that world-renowned woodcarver took that valuable piece of ebony wood and he cut a little here and he cut a little there and he cut a little over here and he cut a little down here. And as he cut a little bit, there were signs and there were little sketches of evidence that there was something hidden in that wood. And finally, he cut a little more here and a little more there. And when he had finished his product, there was a beautiful wood carving of a man in all of his muscular strength. He was there all the time. The excess had just be cut away. And I want to tell you, every man, every woman, every boy or girl that you see is a potential, uh, uh, a potential victorious individual for the kingdom of God. There just needs to be somebody that has a vision of the man in the tree. But you can't see the man in the tree until you get to the place where you are blind to what the man is. You have to see him for what he can become. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I could, I could spend a lot of time on this. I really could. I could tell you stories related from this very, this very time. I could tell you about an event in our church when... Brother B.A. Gitrose was preaching for us. Some of you that are here will remember those times when he would come. And there was a couple came down to the altar. And we prayed around them. The lady, uh, I don't remember just exactly which one, but one of them prayed through that morning. The other one did not, if my memory is right. When we were driving away, Brother Gitrose said, Brother Young, he said, uh, you know, that was a good moment, but he said, they, they won't make it. And I, I turned to him and I said, why won't they make it? He said, they, they just won't make it. Well, I love Brother Gidrose, and I'm not here to speak disparaging. But uh, one year later, Brother Gidrose came back to our church, and it came time to receive the offering. And there was some men came down to the front for us to pray over the offering. They was going to wait on the congregation to give the offering. Brother Gitrose was standing there, and I remembered that moment when he said, they won't make it. And I just reached over and laid my hand on his shoulder. I said, Brother Gitrose, do you remember the last time he was here? You remember that couple that was in the altar? He said, I do. I said, I want you to look standing in there holding that offering pan right now. And he said, what do you mean? I said, that's that man. He said, is that that man? I said, it is. He said, well, I'm sorry, Brother Young, for saying he wouldn't make it. Can I tell somebody here, too many times, what we see turns us off. We need to get to the place where we see with spiritual vision. Not what people are, but what they can become. That person who lives next door to you that irritates you, what can they become after God gets in their heart? Praise the Lord. That little boy that runs up and down the aisle, dropping candy on the carpet, what can he become for the kingdom of God over a period of time? 
Praise the Lord. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. We need to be blind to something in order to see what God wants us to see. We've got to be blinded to the distance of the journey. If you get focused on the distance of the journey, you'll become weary. You'll become exhausted. You will want to sit down and rest a while because you see nothing but endless pavement. The journey is long. The valleys are deep. The mountains are high. The experiences are traumatic. If you look at the distance, you'll become overwhelmed. But can I, can I preach to somebody today and tell you, become blinded to the distance. And when you become blinded to the distance, all of a sudden you're going to see the destiny. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And I just want to tell you, the destiny is worth. It really is. It's worth the distance. The destiny is worth the distance. Is anybody with me today? Anybody walk this life for long, many years? Can you say, what I'm walking toward is worth every heartache? It's worth every valley I've been through. It's worth every mountain that I've had to climb. Get your eyes off of the, off of the distance. Get your eyes off of the circumstance. And get your eyes on the distance that God is pulling you to. Praise the Lord. Let's lift our hands and praise Him together right now. Hallelujah. 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 When you're on this journey and you become focused on how long is it going to take and what all do I have to do, and in your mind, it all has to be done now because this has got to be done. That has got to be done. Somehow or other, if you just wait on God and get the focus of destiny in your mind, then as you reach certain increments in your life and you reach certain steps and you get to certain points, God has worked it out. Praise the Lord. That's the reason the Bible calls living for God a walk of faith. Everybody say a walk of faith. Matter of fact, we don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. What is walking? Walking is just simply putting one foot in front of the other and moving forward. And keep doing that. Don't stop. Don't stop. If you stop for a moment, you'll lose your view of destiny. And you'll see what's all around you. That's what happened to Simon Peter when he stepped out of the boat to go to Jesus. He was doing well as long as he had his eyes on the destiny. As long as he had his eyes on Jesus. He didn't see the way. But the moment he lost his focus of the destiny and he saw the way, he began to sink. And he began to be fearful. And he cried out, oh Lord, save me, I perish. I beg you, don't stop moving. Keep moving forward. Keep reaching, keep praying, keep striving, keep, keep praising, keep worshiping. Praise the Lord. And become blinded 
to all of the minutiae that is around you and all of, of the, the evidence of impossibilities that's all around you. Become blinded to all of that and keep your eyes on the goal and the focus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. When I went down to an old-fashioned altar and gave my heart to the Lord, I didn't go down there to give up. I didn't go there to make it halfway. I, I went there to go all the way home. Praise the Lord. And can I tell you from the point I stand right now, it's a whole lot closer home from here than it is from where I came from. Praise the Lord. I'm headed homeward. Can somebody say amen? Would you lift your hands right now? Would you solemnly offer yourself without reservation to the Lord and ask God to give you clarity of vision? Praise the Lord. The major thing in this passage is not all of the others the disciples saw on the top of the mountain. The major part is when the lesser figures faded and they could only see Jesus and only see Him. Praise God. And when you and I get blinded to all of the people around us and focused on nothing but Jesus, then our vision will have been made clear. Let's stand to our feet right now. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, yes, Jesus. Hallelujah. Does anybody want to see Jesus today? Anybody want to see opportunity today? Praise God. Anybody want to see what God can do with your life and what God can make of you? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Does anybody want to see what God could turn you into when He as the potter takes you in His hands and begins to remake your life. Do you want to see that today? Oh, there's an incredible presence of the Lord in this room right now. In Jesus' name. Come on, step out by faith. Step out and say, I am going to walk with God. I'm going to begin this journey. Hallelujah. I'm going to submit myself to your way, Lord. I'm going home with Jesus. Hallelujah. Goodbye to cares. Goodbye to obstructions. Goodbye to fear. Welcome opportunity. Welcome the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. God's going to change your life right now. It may be in chaos, 
Get your eyes off of that chaos and look at the joy, the abundance of joy. There are pleasures in His presence forevermore. Hallelujah. That's it. That's the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Everybody in this building who knows the value of prayer, would you lift your hands and pray with us? God is wanting to do a work right now in people's lives. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus in your name. Jesus in your name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. What a message. God is speaking to some people here right now. You're using your past. You're using the circumstances around you to prevent you from being what God wants you to be. But God's opened the door today. None of that, none of that matters right now. Why don't you come to the foot of the cross? Why don't you come and give your heart to the Lord this morning? There's people all over the building that God has opened the door to you. Why don't everybody come? Everybody come. Everybody come. Everybody come. Hallelujah. Everybody come. Let's pray for a few moments. Everybody come. Hallelujah. Come on, Grace. Come on, Grace, everybody. Hallelujah. Come help us pray. Everybody come help us pray. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Come on, folks. We've heard from the Lord this morning. We've heard from the Lord. Hallelujah.